Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Willow, the Lucasfilm TV series for Disney+, Plus, which is a sequel to the classic Ron Howard film from 1988. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This is a strange one. We only recently did the review of the film, which... I'm still confused to this day whether I'd seen as a kid and forgotten about or because of certain scenes from the film that I remembered out of context and then re-watching it was like, oh, wait, this is familiar. Have I seen this? Uh, and then, boom, there's a Disney Plus series and it's like, oh, okay. The, um, it, that's, it's very strange because it feels like the movie had wrapped itself up. And so like the main caveat of this TV show seems to be like, but what if it didn't, what if the movie didn't wrap it up? Uh, and now Elora Dannon is old enough that we can kick off into like the end game of what the prophecy is, um, which I get. But it also has that strange thing, which I have to say, recently we've had a few things like this. We had the uh, Dark Crystal prequel series for Netflix that actually worked really well, too well. It makes the movie from the 80s look very average. Um, and a few other things which have taken, like, sequelized, like Blade Runner 2049, like, phenomenal sequel to something that happened in the 80s tron legacy came around after such a long hiatus from a property so yeah it's not unheard of and it's not been something that has it seems to have succeeded more than it's failed um we're big both huge fans of cobra kai so i uh i went in with quite an open mind on this how about yourself i said when we did our review willow it always been a film that I'd seen, wasn't necessarily a fan of, got to appreciate it more in recent times, but always liked Warwick Davis. And always yeah. thought he was good in it. Val Kilmer, Mad Martigan, there's so much to like, so many parts to like about that first film. But what you were just saying there, like all these years later, this series has come along after the movie pretty much did have a beginning, middle, and end. Like they did wrap up that story. But over the space of just eight episodes, they did a really good job of expanding this world, bringing back some familiar actors, characters. But the way that the characters are put together and the time that you spend with the characters going on their adventure, and it's not just fighting, like character moments, these new characters that we've just met in this season or this series, it just, it feels really lived in. It feels like these are real characters that weren't an afterthought. So I thought they did a really good job of that. But I mean, that first movie was about Willow. He's a Tyler character. He's still his here with the show. But the movie was about Alora Dannon as a baby and obviously she gets a lot more to do here. Now she's 
she's grown up. She's what? She's I think 17, 18. I think she's supposed to be in this. Yeah, it's actually in my notes um, because they say it's been 200 moons. And I did the math on that. Uh, that is 16 and a half years. Oh, okay. Well done. So, <laughs> that's that's where she's at. So, yeah. yeah so she too... must be about 17, 18-ish. Right. Not to jump too much all over the place. And this is a show that I was watching at a particular pace because it was one that I was watching with my wife. So I couldn't just sit down and binge it. So I finished it today. We we found an hour this afternoon to watch that final episode. I think it's like halfway through and everybody's going off on the, you know, continuing their adventure. And Willow's like, yeah, yeah. My priority is my daughter. I'm I'm going to leave now, and off he trots. Yeah, and I said to my wife, "Where is he going? <laughs> We've got <laughs> half an episode left. It's uh, yeah, yeah. it's his show. I mean, we knew he was going to come back, and he does come back in heroic fashion. But before we do all that and uh, talk about the the finale, the plot, an unlikely group of heroes set off on a dangerous quest." to places far beyond their home where they must face their inner demons and come together to save their world. We should probably start with the showrunner, Jonathan Caston. I mean, the yeah. surname. We all know the surname. We know his dad, Lawrence Caston, yeah. original Star Wars trilogy, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, it just goes... Incredible pred- pedigree, just absolutely. Like it just goes on and on. Jonathan Caston, TV screenwriter, director, producer, actor. He has worked as a writer for the TV series Freaks and Geeks and as an actor in Dawson's Creek and Dreamcatcher. He had his acting debut in 1983 in his dad's film The Big Chill. Um yeah, but I wasn't familiar with Jonathan, so I did have to do a bit of research there, but his dad very, very familiar with his dad. The movie Solo, A Star Wars Story. They Ron Howard. Together. Yeah, and Ron Howard got brought on to save the project. And it was during that film that Jonathan Caston apparently got talking with Ron Howard. And Willow is a movie that meant a lot to him when he was growing up and had a lot of passion for that film and wanted to see if the story could continue. And it happened from conversations that were had on Solo, a Star Wars story. So it's interesting that it's all Lucasfilm heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, they even have the Lucasfilm uh, title card at the start of the series. Um, with Speaking of the world, the movie had the same problem, but you get away with a lot with a with 80s nostalgia and it was less typical at the time but it's for fantasy especially it's a trope these days where they give you an outlay of the land via a map or some other thing you don't get never got this in the film and you don't get it in the series so i have a lot of trouble with the whole season going how far are they traveling they speak about all these different like places i have no idea what the relationship is it's not required for the the story they can just name places because we you know we set off from the main capital where um 
Queen Sorsha rules over who um all that from the fallout of the first film. And then they they're on their way to the ocean. That's all we know. Don't know how far that is. It's got a Lord of the Rings kind of feel in terms of like the we walk and we walk and we walk until we get there. Um and then they hit the shattered sea and then that's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's yeah, it is strange because Game of Thrones does it. Like, here's King's Landing. You go over here. There's Dragon Reach. You go over here. There's this place. You go over here. Like, yeah, it's just a, like a personal thing of like, I'd like to have some geography in my head of how far they're actually traveling and what the spaces are like. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, just not just we don't going get any from facial A to hair B. Gross. Or hair grows to say like, oh, this is taking a long time. So it's like, or you get, you don't even really get flashbacks to the characters they left previously, and yeah, so, what, how mean, many other, the, how much other stuff yeah. is happening in the world once they leave that area. So it's as again not an issue, but it was something that was tickling the back of my brain of like, how long have they been traveling? How much character growth have they? gotten in here over well, is you, it you, okay. months yes it very good like point months. very good point talking about the geography there growth you see in their relationships physical growth prince eric gets a haircut which was a weird choice it reminded me you know mortal combat annihilation where raiden disappears loses his powers and turns up and he's had a buzz cut or he's got like yeah. short hair well it, it happens here like prince eric when he's seduced by I'm not gonna say dark side because it's not Star Wars, <laughs> but, but when he's been yeah. seduced by but darkness, he's got short hair. That's but right. That, Crone that is, is like him. a visual thing of like the show changed. He's visually changed. Yeah, he's yeah. changed costume. Like so, that didn't bother me. No, but it's the old, it's what pops into my head when you're saying that yeah. we're not we're not seeing like change like hair growth. I mean, Prince Graydon has a shave, shaves off his, yeah off his mustache. Yeah. His um, yeah. and it doesn't regrow his back. goatee. So. That's just there you go. So it deals with. Well, it's not. It's not an adventure that is taking months and years. So we know that. But what you're saying there, you're absolutely right, though, about the geography. Like we're just not just going from place to place in general. Where are they? Star yeah. Wars, a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, big, I guess. But we know that it's not Earth. It's far, far away. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. You mentioned that Middle Earth. We're told, like you know, where where it is, but in this world, it's it's just it's a fantasy world. Which, like, okay, great. So, if we're thinking about the look and sound, the movie, we had James Horner doing the score, incredible, incredible score, and we get a lot of riffs on his main themes in this show. But that's what the movie had. He had a film score, and it worked really well. What we get here, and they wait until the end of every episode, is a pop song. Pop, pop. It is yeah. like not by the original artist. It's a, a, a new recording by a different artist. Of, yeah, but of, it's of, like, of... but that's weird. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's because again, like, it's not as if this is Earth and it's you know medieval times or whatever. It's just it's a fantasy world. I thought it was a weird. I mean. Is it cool? I guess. Like, it's a cool, fun way to end it. Because not only do they have the song, then the freeze frame on the actor, it's in a sketching. 
and then the end yeah. credits. So it's stylized and, and cool. The next episode starts off with the same sketching to into the first scene, and it's not usually the last scene of the. It's like just the first scene of the new episode. So that's yeah, cool, but it's just yeah. Where are yeah. we? And it doesn't kick in as well until episode three, so the first episode where it ends on this pop song, which just happens to be Enter Sandman by Metallica, which as soon as I heard it, I'm like, wait a minute. I know <laughs> what this is. Why Why are they playing this? I'm I'm, I'm confused. What's going on? Um, but yeah, I do watch uh, Dickinson on Apple TV, and that's a period set piece with modern music. So I'm not, I'm, it's, I've dealt with it before, but yeah, it is a big departure from. Yeah, but what you just, yeah, but that's a period piece. This is yeah. fantasy, swords and yeah. sorcery. It's yeah, it's a little bit different. So I thought that was an odd choice, and from memory, I didn't realize it was episode three they started doing that. So episode three onwards, they did it to end every every episode. Yeah, yeah, um, which it makes sense because the first two episodes you could have crammed those together in a movie length if it was done in the traditional format because that is your actual setup for the whole season. You get get those out of the way and then the season actually starts um speaking of the cast uh we've got of course warwick davis returning as willow um he's he's aged quite well i mean it's a long time since the 80s i mean i know he's like what 17 yeah and he's done it's sort of a things what life's too short the yeah. comedy show where he was sending himself up, the show he did with Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, and he was great in that. The thing with Warwick Davis, strong likability factor. Yeah. He's funny. He is funny. He's, and I've, he's, and I've, he's, 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 so, he's so quippy. I mean, even if, like, the first teaser they put out for this series, it was him and the crew, or him yeah. and the cast. And he was sending himself up, like, and just like joking, like making it all about him, and you know, the 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 cast were a bit standoffish with him. But it, it's like him doing his thing, and he does it well. Like he yeah. is is a naturally funny guy. Watching the first episode, and you're seeing all the other characters come together, and the gelling well. We're getting really good performances, not just dramatic but we're getting action and a lot of the cast did a lot of their own stunts and you do you see that so the first episode even though the show is named after his character you really have to wait until you actually see willow and when he was first on screen and he's delivering all that dialogue wife and i just looked at each other and we're like oh oh no yeah in in his defense, he gets a lot of fantasy talk. And it's a lot of no, you need to, and hey, wait. And, he, and it's he had to be it's that like, character. It, but yeah, it really, yeah, he's, he's delivering exposition. Yeah. Uh, it really it's it disrupted it, the the flow of all the other characters that were naturally were just coming together. And then it's a real abrupt ending. And then yeah. you get ready to press play in episode two. You're like, oh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I do think it gets better towards the end, but I, I, I'm not saying <laughs> it's it's Warwick that's not giving a, a good performance because 
he's delivering the dialogue that's been given to him. And it is, like I said, it's a lot of exposition. And he's doing that. Well, oh, I, I don't know. Like, what do you, I, what do I, you yeah. think? I don't I, want to be I know, harsh I, on I know him. what you're thinking. Yeah. I, you don't want to be harsh, but there is very much a, uh, like, an, uh, a community theatre-esque way of delivery. But what I'll say about this, yes, he does get better over the course of the season. Um, but the lines of dialogue he delivers that are great, are his quips he's like you know like they're uh they're in the forest and they're all getting drunk and he's talking about like oh so what did you do after you beat uh queen basmata and he's like we all got pissed like his off the cuff just like profanity and like quips were brilliant like uh, I, I know i know but to his uh his natural like yes. charisma level very long lines of dialogue which is like I know I'm supposed to act like this, but I actually have to just get through all the stupid, complicated garbage. I know, but there's times, right, where it it's like Warwick's doing an open mic night. Yeah. And he's is, just yeah. up on stage. And is he giving a great delivery? Yeah. Like, his jokes and his quips are really good, but, it, but it's not just him, though. Like, there's a lot of odd dialogue. A lot there of is. odd dialogue for most of the cast, which I've got to be honest, it... It makes me kind of like it. I mean, it's not quite Monty Python, but at times it's not far off. But in the finale, like again, Warwick, not Warwick, Willow, <laughs> Willow turns up and he's got the bad guys he's going to go after. And before he does that, he says, I'm just going to go and take care of these blokes. And then my wife turned to me and said, did he say blokes? I'm like, yep. Was it Warwick? Was it Willow? I'm not quite sure, but that's yeah. what was said. And it, it's yeah. the lines do get blurred, but I like him in this. I do like him in this. Um, the show is fun tonally. It's just it is all over the place. It is, yeah. And it's like it feels at times because I I said to my wife, oh maybe you know the kids could watch it. Like we'll watch it, you know, as as a family because it does have a PG feel to it, but it isn't. It's a, it's an M, which I guess in the US would be a PG-13. Yeah. But mm, tonally all over the place. Like Borman. Yeah, it's hard to nail down. He, Borman, he really yeah. is Borman, who I, honestly, I came to really like Borman. It, it took me a little while, but came to really like him. But again, like I keep bringing up the, the finale, but he's running into battle and he shouts something like, I hope you've got butter. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like there's a there's a preamble to that quip, which I don't know where it got delivered. Like, did it get cut in the editing room? Because, yeah, I hope you got butter. But he's like, wait, is that because he's about to like, like work your bread i don't get it like it's, it's, <laughs> i don't know like, uh, yeah yeah they, they whatever the context they wanted for it just it just like you said he says it and you sit there going huh what I, i'm i'm aware he's quipping but i don't i don't quite get it what the yeah. quip is yeah so yeah but there's a lot of my things start happening where you're like trying to figure out like what's he mean there's a lot of lines like that um i'm probably going to butcher his name Amar Chedar Patel. 
not yep. familiar with him outside of this show, to be honest. I, th- I think I read that he was in The Wheel of Time, the recent Prime show. Okay. He was in that. But for me, this is the first time I've seen him. Again, took me a while for him to grow on me, but ended up really liking his character. And I'm not sure if you've seen it, because they're done for Marvel. I've stopped watching them. You know, the, the behind-the-scenes specials. Yeah. I still occasionally check out the ones on the TV shows, but not the movies. It's been a long time since I've done that. But I, oh, they used to be great. What were they called? Assembled? What Assembled. were they called? Yeah. Assembled. Yeah. There you go. Used to really like those. But anyway, they put one out for this. It's just a half-hour special. It's called Willow Behind the Magic. And he was on there. Well, they all were. But one of the things that he was saying, the first meeting he had with Jonathan Caston. When he was younger and he would see characters like Han Solo, Indiana Jones, all these roguish types, they wouldn't look like him. Like they wouldn't be an Asian man. So when he got the opportunity for this show, like he was just sharing with uh, Caston how much it means to him to be that character for like a whole new generation. But I watched this special after I'd finished the whole season. But as soon as he said Han Solo, I'm like, that's what he's doing. And not in a bad way, but that is what he's doing. He's absolutely playing a Han Solo type. Yeah. And he's the one with all the quips uh, throughout the whole series. Like everyone gets a a snipe or a quip here and there, but he's, he is not the comic relief, but he's the one who's like, like got all of this ego and like this persona that which you can tell is like just him hiding his own insecurities. Yeah. But it yeah. comes across with some, some really funny dialogue because he's the one trying Uh, like he's obviously, you know, get throughout the season. He's clearly been through a lot of like near scrapes and somehow gets out of all of them. Yeah. Um, whether it's hiding in a uh, a barrel of waste or <laughs> yep. just talking his way out somehow. Um, yeah, it's, I won't say he's Mad Mardigan-esque, but you can see some, obviously those are the traits he admired being his squire. Yeah, but he's, he's play. yeah, but he is, yeah, he's playing it different enough that, again, I was getting more Han Solo than Mad Mardigan, but yeah. He's that type of character. Yeah. The he's the warrior. You know, he's capable with a sword. That was the thing as well in the first episode. Again, they do make you wait until you get to Warwick. Or I keep saying that. It's the lines are blurred. They make you wait until you get to Willow. For the most part, it's him, and he's a lot older than the rest of the ensemble cast. Yeah. But he it balances that it balances out well. So yeah, I thought he was really, really good in this. When we get to, I think it was episode oh, was it episode seven, and we get Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's episode six. Uh, oh, Prisoner's six. Gallon. And yeah, he's Christian playing, Slater, and I'm just like, yeah, he's playing like, Alligator Slater. Yeah, I'm like this is. Christian Slater, like claiming just... to be Bud Martigan, and he's got a yeah. kit. It's like, yeah, no, you're not. 
Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It was but so you, good. You because... still him in the exact same way. He's hanging from a... That's a true. Yeah. With an eye patch on. That's it. And, and you're still confused by the end yeah. of it of like, which one did Mad Morgan dirty? I still aren't sure. Mm. They never really confirm it. It leaves it very grey for both of them. It is. It's um They both clearly hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. But with Christian Slater, didn't know who was going to be in it. And he's a good get. Like he's a good yeah. get for for this show. I mean, the movie had Val Kilmer. We don't get that here. We get the character of Mad Martigan. We get him in voiceover and he's communicating with his daughter Kit. Again, watch it with a wife, and she turned to me and she said, I bet that's Val Kilmer's son, Jack. And it is, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is cool. Like his son, uh, they use some archive audio as well as new audio by his son, Jack. But the way they introduce Allagash, and there's no mistake in Christian Slater's voice. Like it's absolutely yeah. him, but they don't show you. And he's just in shadow the whole time. And then he fully turns around. He's like, ha ha. Great. It was, it was a yeah. great reveal. We all knew it was him. It yeah. was a great reveal. And just, you know, Christian Slater, you think, you know, 80s, 90s, you know, that kind of era. And, of course, he's still working today, but you, he just, his casting felt right for a show that's a sequel to a movie that came out in 88. I yeah, really liked him in it. Also in um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I think he did something else, like uh, fantasy or medieval-esque. So yeah, it's not. It's something he's done before as well, so it doesn't feel out of character for him. Uh, and you can see he was clearly enjoying himself. Oh, absolutely! And then again, it, behind the magic, that special they put out is in that as well. He absolutely yeah. enjoyed himself. Like you see it, you're right in the show. But then when he's been interviewed yeah. about his part, yeah, and no, he clearly had a great time. Yeah, um, Ruby Cruz plays Kit. Um, I'm not going to say the surname of the characters. Uh, Tanthalos, I think, is what how you're supposed to pronounce it. That her and Eric, the twins, he's been captured in the end of the first episode by the Gales, the, the cronies, like witchy army weirdos, um, and they're both the children of Mad Mardigan and Queen Sorsha. She's supposed you know you, she's supposed to be the competent one he's the her, eric is the the floozy like womanizing like not a lot going on upstairs son who has no expectation and she's the one who's supposed has all this expectation brave i'm gonna say it right off the bat she is the main character from brave and she doesn't want any of that she wants to go out on adventures and blah 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 you can see the shades of both Queen Sorsha and Mad Mardigan in her. Um, but she plays it well. She is really unlikable for most of the series, though. To begin with. Intentionally. I think defi- yes, I think definitely to begin with. Um, but then she does turn a corner. And because she's fighting with a lot of things, like you say, expectations from her mum about who she should be. But then it's very evident early on that her friendship with Jade, who is a knight in training, is maybe a little bit more than just friends. And then 
it's made very, very clear that they are romantically involved or become romantically involved. So there's different expectations that are put on her, like who she should be as a person, who mm. she should be with. There's so much going on for this character that you're right. She she is a bit standoffish, unlikable at times. And even the whole thing with Alora Dannon, like when she had to grow that tree or that plant, and she does, and Kit keeps yeah. it from her. So the show was giving you reasons to dislike her character, but she comes good in the end, and she gets that cool armor that's working for her. But the actress, though, my wife didn't agree with me, but I was getting a strong Gina Davis look from her. So she looks well, I like can a see young... that, yeah, with her cheekbones and yeah, definitely. Yeah, just everything. And more so in the I think it was the artwork as well, like the poster for the show, which was the illustration. She maybe looked more like Gina Davis there, but I definitely got a strong look of Gina Davis from her. But playing Jade, we have Erin Kellerman. She was in Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm pretty sure she was also in Falcon in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, she was the leader of the Black Smashers, I want to say. That's, that's right. Called. The super soldiers yeah. who are like, you know, we, when there was a blip, we were free to move around and you're thankful for us. And then we did and to take up the required, um, like, uh, workforce and all that sort of stuff. Then suddenly everyone comes back and you're like, get, get out of our countries. You have no rights. You have, uh, no reason to be around and, they were obviously upset about that. Um, you can, if you if you've watched either of those shows, if I tell you about a striking young girl with freckles and bright red curly hair, you'll know exactly who we're talking about. She's one of those actresses that she's popped up, and now she, her look is so striking, especially against like any crowd. That you like people I asked, oh, who's in that? And I said, Oh, you know that chick from and I started that explanation, like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Because yeah. if I'd said her if I'd said her name, Aaron Kellerman, they'd be like, Who? I'm like, solo, solo story, the girl with red hair and the freckle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know her. I know her. Um, she's great. She's she actually is likable from the get-go. Um, she has some good character growth, there's some interesting stuff uh going on with her. She's probably got more stunt work in her back catalogue than the most of the rest of the cast. Um, and you can tell her proficiency in it. Um, but she's she's great. Uh, I really enjoyed her character. <laughs> Even the other characters were calling out these two, though, of like totally into each other. Like, <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Everyone else, everyone else painfully knew. Painfully obvious, yeah. <laughs> everyone else and knew before they accepted did, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you two not realise that the other one was equally into you? Like, it's... It's so painfully obvious, like yeah. a blind man would see. <laughs> what you were just saying there about the stunt work, and and again, this comes from uh, that Behind the Magic special. A lot of the cast, for the most part, were doing their own stunt work, but the reason why they were able to do that is they were purposely given stunts that would look well on camera, but that they would be able to pull off without having to rely too much on a stunt person. Yeah. A lot of credit's yeah. got to go to the stunt guys there. Like the, 
yeah, it's it's a really well put together show with uh, the fight scenes, especially. But with the uh, with the cast, I mean, massive cast. We could probably just go through the core cast, like the the heroes, and because there's so many other other characters, Tony Revolori as Prince Graydon. Yeah, Flash Thompson from the current Spider-Man movies. Oh, I still don't know about that casting, but yeah, he's um, he's he's good in this, and he clearly has a thing for Laura Dannon. We haven't really talked about her yet. She's um, we've mentioned her, but she's kind of a big deal when it comes to comes to the show, played by Ellie Bamba. Yeah, um, yeah, and he's he's had an older brother. The good son, who was supposed to be the one to push his kingdom's like uh, agendas forward, but a tragedy's taken him, and they're left with him. Who clearly he's, he's smart, intelligent. He's a more of a book smart guy, and he works well on that. Probably a very good diplomat if you would have pushed him in that way. But he's unfortunately having to step into again this this vacuum, this this area of expectation, which. Works well with him and Kit, who he's supposed to be marrying, but he's dealing with it better than she is. Because uh, although he very quickly is like, "Yeah, I'm just doing my job," and then, "Hey, hey, Elora Danham, how how are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, when it comes to her, they do an interesting thing. They she's blonde, and you're like, "Wait a minute." thought the child had red hair and then even yeah. willow says it and then as she uses more and more magic throughout the season her hair gets a red streak and then more happens and then by the end of it it's all red and you're like oh yeah okay all right it does make a quip of like they use lemon juice and i think rat urine or something They like bleach her hair but what what's weird though right like what i'll say about this world it's very clean isn't it even for these characters that are going on this long adventure, as you've said, we don't know how for how long they are traveling for, but everybody, no matter what station they are, like whether it's you know a high-end royal or Dannon who works in a kitchen, everything's very clean. Everybody is dressed, you know, clean and fitted, and that's okay. Yeah. That's just the look of the world. But because it's the look of the world, it's like, oh. People clearly care about what they look like. They want to look their best because they do. So when her hair starts changing color, I'm watching it thinking, how is nobody mentioning this? How yeah. is nobody? Yeah. Like when it goes full red, I'm like, come on, somebody's like, where's where's Willow in his quips? Like, where, yeah. Where's there a comment about the fact that she's got full, like all of a sudden full head of red hair? Yeah. I mean, in Frozen, when it happened to Annie, like, it's first thing oh, she'll carry that the rest of her life like she yeah in this like bright red hair as well which the actress i'm curious now i, th- I thought about that the whole time is she naturally blonde and they dyed her hair red or is she naturally a redhead and they bleached it blonde because oh, the actress yeah it could go either way i can't oh, i'd say she's I'd, I'd say she's blonde like she's blonde because yeah. she just but then again, we saw her blonde first, and so maybe we were just accepting that. But I don't know, like, you can tell blonde. Like, if someone isn't blonde, but they've dyed it blonde, you can tell, because blondes look blonde. Or maybe not. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, yeah. 
other than I don't know the actress from anything else. I'm sure a quick search would be able to find out was she blonde or a redhead back when she did that. Yeah, because even all the uh, the red carpet and premieres and all the uh, the interviews and stuff, it's red. And I'm like, yeah, but if you've had to put red in your hair, it's actually really hard to rip red out of hair. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I'm like, maybe they could. They're expecting a season two that they're like, no need to change it. Just keep it in there. You know. I'm trying to stop bringing up the finale. It's not in the finale, actually. It's, it's at the end. Because for the first time, I'd say a post credit scene, they almost don't wait long enough for it to be a post credit scene. Yeah. But we see that there is more. Like Prince Graydon is alive and is lost. And now he's seeing an evil or an opposite or somebody looking like Dannon, and then there's all these creatures, and then the music's playing, and right on cue, the double-headed dragon breathes fire. It was all very, very cool. But then we see a book being closed, and it's volume one, and it's put on the shelf. And it's like, oh, they're not just setting up a second season. This is a, pr- a planned trilogy of seasons. There's three yeah. volumes, and this season was just the first volume. Yeah, so it'll be curious to see if like what the response is and whether they actually get there because i'm not hearing a lot of chatter online for this series no me neither and i knew that you were watching it because we were going to review it but i don't know anybody else other than you and my wife that has actually (laughs) watched this show and because my wife and i watched it together technically we count as one viewer so i don't know what the figures are on on this show but Hmm. You've mentioned Queen Saoirse already, played once again by Joanne Whaley. It yeah, was nice yeah. seeing those familiar faces. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm sure they would have liked to have gotten Val Kilmer back as well, but with his uh with his situation with his voice, probably I mean they've they've come up with a great way to work around that. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice to have gotten him back as well. Uh, the the actress who plays Willow's daughter is the same one from back in the film. No, no, it's it's not. It's somebody different playing her this time is actually Annabelle Davis who's playing Mims who is oh, it's his actual daughter his actual daughter it was somebody else in the movie because I thought the same thing I thought wow what an attention to detail <laughs> the way yeah. they brought that young girl back now an adult no so that was a time where they did recast but it's nice though isn't it having Warwick Davis's daughter playing Willow's daughter but then because yeah. Val Kilmer couldn't be involved, his son Jack playing his dad's part. There's something yeah. there's something nice about that. I did hear early on the plan was to have Val Kilmer in the show. But he, as well as all these other uh, health conditions, he got COVID and he got it pretty bad. And that just yeah. threw it out. So they had to had to make changes but i like that his presence is felt 
you know, we've got yeah. that scene, or we've got the we've got a lead up to it, but that main scene in Top Gun Maverick, which was absolutely fantastic. So it would have been nice if we actually got to see him, but just hearing him or his son, who sounds so much like him, yeah, it was just nice. Like yeah. his presence was felt. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good workaround. Like I said, the fact that they're using the family members of those actors and others. Um, it just helps close out the whole thing. Um, one person they did use, uh, who Jonathan Kasdan would be familiar with, the big, you see him pop up a couple of times, there's a big uh, scary looking dude with like a cage on his head, who's like one of the evil guys who shows up from time to time. Yep. Uh, I think he's called the Scourge. That's played by Junus Sutamo, who plays Chewbacca in solo and uh the sequel trilogy um who does all the the big action set pieces and the stuff that peter mayhew himself couldn't do uh and i'm like oh that's again lucasfilm keep it in the family you know, yeah you've got absolutely that you've already worked with it'd be nice if he had a part with dialogue because he hasn't gotten to do that yet <laughs> just a whole lot of wookie screaming but yeah i uh, i appreciate that as well and then, of yeah, course, definitely. we've got Lily, played by Rosabelle Laurenti Sellers, who is essentially the crone who's trying to tempt Eric in the Shattered City, or the, yeah, in the Shattered City. She's like, oh, you know, like, come, come down, like, check it out. It's not what you think it is. Um, her face is familiar. I feel like I've seen her in something before. Yeah, I can't. I can't pick you what the face is familiar. But, but she, at first, isn't known to be the crone. Like she's just another character, a princess who is trapped there with, with Eric. That whole setup and that place. And I get it. He's trying to escape, and the further he gets away, he finds himself there again. And he's thirsty and he starts drinking not quite water, it's like like a pink gloop, but then it's almost yeah. like translucent when he's got it in his hand and he's just drinking it down. What the hell is going on there? Because like saying that you know the worm provides for us, but then you saw like when they went out back and down below, it looked like an actual worm, didn't it? That was yeah. down underneath. And the worm yeah. provides for us, and they're drinking it. What the hell are they drinking? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, stuff? yeah, I'm getting it's pretty some gross. Slurm vibes here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, concentrated evil. That's what they be drinking. <laughs> but um, but he's he's taken over. He's taken over. Like he sees her one way. Her true self is seen by the others. She snaps the wand. Alona Dannon, she steps up and then it gets very Empress Star Wars, sparkly fingers like that. Yeah. Fighting red for evil. Uh, what was it like? Blue for good. Was it green? Yeah. Oh, it's all green, very, yeah. very Star Wars, but with lightning instead of lightsabers. But that battle's going on and Alona Dannon, she got to, got to step up. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, it was, it was cool. Like the way, I definitely think they they stuck the landing on what they were building to. And then Alona, she was very clear on it's still down there, it's not over. It's like, right, okay, so yeah. there's definitely more to it. So it's like, although they 
succeeded, that's only the first step. That's only volume yeah. one. There's two more volumes. Yeah. yeah um, I'll be curious. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do because, again, as we was this just discussing this, there's not a lot of chatter. Um, Disney are also the type of company like Netflix to be pretty like tight-lipped about what sort of figures they get. Although they're also a publicly traded company. So it does eventually come out like whether something did well or not, because it's part of their, um, their quarterly meetings with the shareholders of like, if they, you know, if they're going to green lit, sorry, green light a second season, they'd have to put up numbers to prove their case to get budgets approved. Um, yeah. I guess the only other thing to do really now is how'd you feel? How would you rate this first season? Oh, it's, it's an interesting one because I found myself approaching each episode like, oh, Need to watch another one. Need to watch another one. I knew this review was coming. And whenever I press play, I didn't not like it. It didn't drag. But there was just something about it where I wasn't like, oh, yeah, great. What What's happening? Let's let's keep going. But on, on the whole, I mean, it really is quirky. And I was thinking back, like, I don't remember the film being as silly. And we watched it fairly recently for the review. It is pretty silly. It is a pretty yeah, silly film. Yeah, it is. Um, and also the showed... same thing of the same feel of kind of just wandering and then here they are and things yeah. just happen. Like it has the same like loose format that this show does. That's right. So I was going to say that it's a big departure because yeah. it's not really, it's just, no. it felt like it... modern cameras and modern sets and like more money. I, I suspect in terms I mean, yeah, of like, production levels. Yeah. You think it's definitely more, more money. But yeah, it was again like just we watched the movie, we did a review, and then now we're coming back and we're doing this series. But as I watched the series, I don't remember it being a silly, but that behind the magic special and they're showing clips on the film. I'm like, oh, that's really goofy. That's really quite that's really quite silly. So tonally, it's probably not too far off. Although I reckon maybe if the settings or some of the stunts were silly in the movie at times. I don't think it had the dialogue that we're getting in this show. Like, there's times where it definitely just felt like it was a comedy. It, yeah. it really did. And if you, you know, comedy is often used in these types of stories to break tension, but the types of quips, I don't know, it just felt very silly. But if I'm honest, that's what was keeping me engaged. And then, uh, whether it's Willow, Borman, like certain things that are said are just really odd. You're like, did he really say that? But it, it keeps you listening. It keeps you engaged. I, I like this enough to give it a three out of five. I would recommend it. And I think it needs to be recommended because no one seems to be watching it, or at least nobody in our circles. But yeah. it's a sequel to a Lucasfilm that isn't Star Wars. Like Everybody knows Star Wars. Whereas, you know, you said that when we first started today, maybe you had seen Willow before, maybe it was the first time. So it obviously didn't have an impact. And people, when you say Lucasfilm, Star Wars, 
Indiana Jones. Willow. Yeah. Willow was a film that was made in 1988, but a lot of people don't seem to have seen it or remember it. But this is a show that I would recommend, three out of five. Yeah, I'm going to come in the same. Um, initially, especially as it was getting its feet under it, uh, and the strange things like come episode three, oh, we're finishing up with pop songs now. Okay, let me just readjust my, like, my my thought of what this show is or maybe isn't. Um, but as I got through, it got... Uh, I got more and more invested. It did take some time, though. I mean, if you're the kind of person who, hopefully if you watched it, because we've spoiled a bunch of stuff uh, already, but if you haven't watched it yet, uh, or if someone asks me about it, I will preface it by going, you need to go and, you're going to have to get through like three or four episodes. But if you cannot deal with the first episode, I can't really recommend that you continue on from there. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see where they go. I will check out a second season, but yeah, I'm coming out at the same level, three out of five. Because yeah, there's just it's it's so hard to put in like quite put your finger on exactly what the show is, because it's definitely fantasy, it's definitely comedy, but it's not like haha comedy like a sitcom. It's in this weird space. That's kind of hard to label, but yeah, it's, that's where I'm at, three out of five. Well, were you just saying that there? Comedy, like, like it does at times scream comedy. I'm yeah. looking at a, what it's described as, right? Action, adventure, drama, fantasy, romance. No the mention of comedy. Romance. But it is funny, like it's it's quirky. But Generally it's not funny. In the same, it's not the same family friendly thing I think of with the original. It doesn't fit that like eighties, like the Goonies and Willow and you know uh, Ewoks and like the Explorers. It doesn't hit that level. It's it is too much other stuff which could generally freak out a kid. I mean, the whole third episode, third episode, fourth episode when. Graydon is like infected by the lich thing and they've got to like extract it out of him and the castle seems to be like pulling on their worst bits and pieces that's way too creepy for a kid uh there's other things in there that pop up that you're like no no i don't think kids well the crown when you see what she really looks like in the finale but again this season is an m that first movie was a PG, but like yeah. you said during our review, it was an 80s PG where they yeah. would include things that aren't necessarily appropriate for children, but hey, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Well, that's it for our episode all about Willow. I'm going to say season one because hopefully I guess we'll get more seasons. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.